Turn in your Bible to John chapter 14. We are talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. This is message two. It's the Holy Spirit-led life. We're not led by the Spirit part-time. We're led by the Spirit all the time, right? This is a lifestyle. We walk in the love of God. We walk by the faith of God, and we walk led by the Spirit of God. We know His voice. So what's happening now as I'm renewing my mind with the Word of God, my life is being transformed. The Holy Spirit is taking the Word of God and bringing revelation of it in my heart. That's washing over my mind and it's renovating my thinking. It's weaning me off detrimental thought processes. If you have a thought process where you're always just you're just never enough. I'm just not enough. The Holy Spirit wants to wean you off of that. Or I'm just not smart enough. I'm just not, you know, I just, I've, and, then, and then all these failures in my life. I'm a failure. It, or here's a big one. It's too late for me. Right? I've already blown it. It's just too late. Those are, that's a detrimental thought pattern that the Holy Spirit will literally Revelation from the Word of God will pull it right out of you to where you, you'll, you'll think that thought sometime. He'll throw that in your mind again and you'll go, what in the world? Are you kidding me? That is not me at all. Here's a big one. I'm worthless. That's a big one. He'll wean you right off of that. So here's the thing. We're going to talk about getting very sensitive to where we're so sensitive on the inside of us. I am so grateful for the Holy Spirit he is my friend. He is my God. He's my guide. He's my strengthener. Man, sometimes when, you know, when I'm facing something, he's my comforter. You know, he always comes alongside me and takes hold together with me against everything that I face. As I go to the word of God, he literally teaches me. He'll tell me what to, to what scripture to look up. He'll bring words to my remembrance. He'll bring it out of my spirit to speak. When I'm believing him for something, he'll tell me what to say, when to say it. It's amazing. He'll stir me all the time. You know, sometimes if, if I just need to shut my flesh down and my mind down, I start praying in my prayer language and instantly I just go to a different place. It's wonderful. So now he, he's the one that helps me to live in peace. It's awesome. So John chapter 14, let's talk about him. Verse 16 and verse 17. Now this is Jesus. This is the last time he's going to be with his disciples right before he's going to the cross. He'll be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He'll be taken. He'll be crucified. He will not see them again until after he's resurrected. So this is literally at the end of three and a half years of ministry, this is the importance. He's, he's leaving, and now he has to tell his disciples, hey guys, I'm leaving, and right now you can't go where I'm going. Right? But, just like God, he never leaves us alone. Right? He says, I'm going to send you another comforter. So in verse 16 it says, Jesus talking, and I will pray the Father, or I will pray to my Father, and He will give you another comforter. 
And this word, another, would have comforted them. Because they would have first been a little freaked out that he's saying, hey, I'm leaving. Jesus, what do you mean you're leaving? But he's like, don't worry, I'm going to send you another comforter. This, this Greek word, allos, it means one who is exactly like me. I'm going to send you another comforter. Or actually what he's saying is, I'm going to pray to my Father, and my Father's going to send you another comforter, who is the mighty Holy Spirit. He's the one who comes alongside and helps us. This word comforter is the Greek word parakletos. I'm going to send you another comforter. So Jesus was a parakletos. And he's saying, guys, I'm going to send you another one. My Father, I'm going to pray to him. He's going to send him to the earth. This is a masculine noun. It's really, the word of God is so precise that it doesn't need to use a neutral. It's, it's, it's masculine. There's also a feminine noun, but he didn't use that. He used the masculine noun, parakletos. It means one who is called alongside to help you. He comes alongside. He takes hold together with you against everything that you face in life. He doesn't do anything for you. He does everything with you. Right? The Holy Spirit's not just going to go do something for you. Now, he's doing it for you, but he does it with you. When you need something, he'll go, okay, come here, let's go, let's go do this. Right? Hey, I, Father, you know, I've got some symptoms going on in my body right now, and I know I've been redeemed from sickness and disease. So right now, I just believe that I receive my healing. And then the Holy Spirit's right alongside you going, okay, come on. Let, let, me, let me walk with you. From the time you believe you receive until the time you see it manifest in your body, he'll help you. Amen. He'll help you. When, when the enemy's throwing thoughts... At night or when your body might be hurting, he'll, he'll literally strengthen you. He'll, he'll bring scriptures up. Say this. He'll stir you to say it. Remember, he's God. When he speaks, it empowers you to do it. He's wonderful. Another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. I will never, ever spend one second of my existence for the rest of eternity without him. Isn't that amazing? And, it, and see, my eternal life, it doesn't start when I get to heaven. It starts right now. He is with us right now. Even, now Jesus is going to define him, even the spirit of truth. Well, what is truth? In John 17, 17, God's word, he says, thy word is truth. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Why can't they receive him? Because they seeth him not. Neither do they know him, but you shall know him. For he, what? Dwells with you and shall be in you. Is that what your Bible says? It doesn't say what I just said. It says, it says, but you shall know him? No. It says, but you know him. First thing you need to realize about living a Holy Spirit life 
is when you got born again, he came to live on the inside of you. You know him. Amen. He's speaking to you all the time. Yeah, but I just never seem like I'm hearing. You're listening to that noise on the outside. But oh, he'll help you if you give him place. That still small voice on the inside will be so clear in the midst of all the noise on the outside. But you got to know you know him. You need to walk around every day going, man, I know him. He's my guide and I know him. I know his voice. I know how he walks. I know how he thinks. I know what he wants for my life. I know how he's going to lead me. He'll never cause me to run from anything. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I love that. So then jump over to John chapter 15, verse 26. Talking about the Holy Spirit, who he is. He's a person. He's God. It says this, but when the comforter, again, the Greek word parakletos, the one who comes alongside to help you, when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. So Jesus is saying when he comes, he's going to come from the Father. He comes out from the Father, but he will always testify of me. He will always witness of me. The Holy Spirit will always bear witness of Jesus. Who is Jesus? The Word of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit will always bear witness with the Word of God. If, if anybody has a word for you, and they can't give you two or three scriptures to back up that word, just throw it out. Because he will only bear witness of the word. Right? So be careful with that. Now jump over to John 16, verse 13. John chapter 16 and verse 13. We're going to look through verse 15. Jesus speaking again. How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come... He will guide you into all truth. Isn't that awesome? So not only he's coming from the Father, he comes alongside to take hold together with you. He's your comforter. He's your parakletos. He always testifies of Jesus. It says, now he tells us that he will guide us into all the truth. Not only will he bear witness of the word of God, but he will guide you into the word of God. He will teach you the word of God. Isn't that awesome? Listen, if, if you want to know the word of God, this is why it says, if you knock, it'll be opened. If you seek, you'll find. If you hunger and thirst, you shall be filled. Nobody can stop you from knowing the Word of God because you have the greater one on the inside. And He knows your path. He will guide you into all the truth. This word guide is the word hodego. It literally is where we get our word tour guide. It literally means He's going to show you the way. I mean, that's very specific. 
You could say it this way. He's going to show you your way. He will take specifically the word of God and bring revelation to you and open it so that the entrance light comes out of the word so it's a lamp to your feet and it will light your individual path. So if you're believing God for healing, it will tell you, it'll literally, well, not tell you, it'll show you, or I should say it correctly, he will show you what to do to lay hold of everything that God has for you. See, first of all, we got to find his way. Because I'll guarantee you his way is a lot higher than our ways. We think we're excited instead of getting a 30-year mortgage, we get a 15-year mortgage. The Holy Spirit's down on the inside of you going, what are you excited about a 15-year mortgage? You don't have time for that. Right? What about 15 months? Well, you can't see, this is... This is not a fake it till you make it thing. This is we live out of the overflow, so he will start guiding you. He will teach you how to profit. He'll lead you in the way that you should go. As a, if you're a, like a medical professional, he will literally, if you get in a situation and you don't know, he'll show you, right? In whatever you do for work, he, how does God teach you how to profit? How does he lead you in the way that you should go? By his spirit. And his spirit always testifies of the word and always guides you into the word. Always. So let's keep going. He will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Isn't it interesting now we have two examples Two out of the three in the Godhead who don't say what they want to say. Jesus only said what he heard his father say. The Holy Spirit only says what he hears Jesus say. Wow. Now you can say the father's the same way. Why? Well, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So all through Scripture, and, and you'll always be, you'll, it'll help you to understand the Word of God if you understand that God the Father always is the one that comes up with the plan. Jesus is always the one that carries out the plan. But the Holy Spirit, He's always the one who reveals the plan. He'll lead you into all the truth. He won't speak of Himself but whatever he hears, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Notice it doesn't say, he will show you why that happened to you in your past. And he will, he will make it all make sense so that you can now move on in your life. It doesn't say that, does he? See, if you want to go forward in life, God, said, God says you forget those things that are behind you and you press forward. He'll show you things to come. He's not going to show you. So stop asking, well, you know, this happened in my life. God, why? He's not going to talk to you about that. Does that make sense? Even, even... In everything he does, he's always wanting you to move forward. 
He's going to show you things to come. He's going to talk to you about your future. Isn't that good news? He will show you your kids serving the Lord. He will show you your body healed and you being able to be active again and and do those things that you want to do that you miss. He'll show you those things. It says this in verse 14, He shall glorify me. How does he glorify Jesus? This is how he does it. For he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. How does the glory of God come out of you so the world can see it? It's the same way. I receive things from Jesus, right? Through the Holy Spirit, and then it shows forth out of my life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He'll receive of mine and show it unto you. Verse 15, all things that the Father hath are mine, Jesus said. So what that means in English is everything that God the Father has is is Jesus's. Isn't that amazing? Therefore I said he shall take of mine and show it unto you. He guides you, basically, what this scripture is telling you is he's going to guide you into the presence of God. And he's going to cause you to walk in his presence because it's in his presence that God will reveal to you his will for your life and his way for you to walk it out. It's always in his presence. So being led by the Spirit, you have to be in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit will never lead you apart from being in the presence of God. So when you're all into, God, I need money and I need it right now in this situation, he's going to be talking to you about, let me, let me bring you into the presence of God. Yeah, yeah, I don't have time for that right now. I need, I need this answer. But all of the answers are in his presence. Do you get that? All of them, everything. The Bible says he opens, he, he, he opens his hand and can fulfill the desires of all living flesh. He doesn't have to go anywhere. It's all in, all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen, so be it unto me. All of them. I love that. Romans chapter 8, let's jump over here and break this down. So now we know he's going to testify of Jesus. He's only going to speak what he hears. He's going to guide me into all the truth. He's going to take what is Jesus's, which is everything the Father has, and show it unto us. He's always going to be moving us forward. He's always going to be leading us in increase. Now that might not seem like it in the natural, because see, this world is upside down. People think to increase, you've got to save. But that's not how it works in the kingdom. You want to increase, you've got to sow. Right? You have to. That's the only way you increase. So sometimes the Lord will come to you and go, yeah, you know what? You're in, this, you're in this time and everything. And all of a sudden you say, okay. You're like, Holy Spirit, man, I need you to move. I need $5,000. And he'll be like, okay. Give everything you have. Say what? No, you might not have understand me. I, I need something. I need it added to me. And the Holy Spirit will be going, yeah. So give this. Right? He's always trying to increase you. Always. 
Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are, or they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, this, this word sons of God, the word sons in the Greek literally means a mature coming of age son of God. It doesn't mean a child. It means a, a mature coming of age son of God. Every one of those are led by the Spirit of God. So this word led is the Greek word ago. You've heard me say this before. It literally was a farming term where a farmer would tie a rope around his animal and lead him. They that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the mature coming of age sons of God. Paul expected the church at Corinth to be mature after four years. This is why it's so important. In our church, we have everybody at different levels, you know, in, in their spiritual growth. But it's all good because here's the thing. The Holy Spirit will put you in an environment where you will grow and you'll, even if you're, even if you're a young believer, you get around people in the Holy Spirit. It's like you have this surround sound movie going on all the time. He'll be like, hey, look, look at Miss Leanne. Watch, look at the way she's doing this. Look, look, at, look at Ruthrie. Look at how she acts. All of a sudden, you're going through something. And then all of a sudden, Lisa crosses her path. And, and Lisa starts talking about a time when the Lord really came through for her. And this young believer's like, wow, he'll do that for me. It becomes a safe environment. Now, in verse 16 of Romans chapter 8, it explains it. How he does this. How does he lead us? It says the Spirit, and in the King James it says itself. Right now that guy is in heaven. That King James translator is in heaven going, I know, I blew that. He's not an it. It's the Greek word autos. The Spirit himself, right? The Spirit himself bears witness, or you could say it this way, enlightens, or you could say it this way, impresses with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is how the Holy Spirit always leads us in everything. He bears witness. He impresses our spirit man. He never talks to our mind, ever. He never talks to our mind. He enlightens he bears witness. He impresses our spirit. With what? Whatever he hears Jesus say. So he'll always, he'll always use the word of God. There will always be a scripture. Have you, ever, have you ever read a scripture and all of a sudden it jumps off at the page at you? Can't get it out of your mind? Right? Well, what happened? The Holy Spirit just impressed your spirit. Your spirit just turned that into a thought and communicated it to your mind, and revelation started coming to you. You walk around, wow. I still remember when Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9 went off on me. 
It went from the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. It went to, wow, the Lord is gracious. Right? It just changes everything. Every believer can expect to be led by the Holy Spirit. You, you have to be led. Listen, where you go to church is not multiple choice. What you do for work and where you work and where you live, who you marry, where you go to school, what ministry you do, all this stuff, it's not multiple choice because the blessing of God is in the land that is your land that he's given you. Have you ever noticed how the enemy will try to keep you away from anybody who's leading you in a right direction? And this is why the word says in Psalm 1-1, it's impossible to prosper. You can't be blessed if you walk, stand, or sit around the wrong crowd. So God will bring you around the right crowd and many times Man, the enemy will work overtime to try to get you away from that. So like when people are looking for a church, relax. Let the Lord plant you. When you're looking for a job, get the money thing out of your, out of your head because he's your provider and ask one question. Is this where I am to be? Right? Hey man, you got to buy this car today. This deal ends at noon. Great, I'm out. See ya right? Here's my card. Call me if you change your mind, right? No, no, this deal is right now, you know, on the internet or on the TV. You know, if you call in the next 15 minutes, you know, that video was made like years ago. It's hilarious. The Holy Spirit, he dwells in, he leads. So many people are laughing. So you're watching those programs, huh? Right? And if you, if you do it right now, I'll send you two of them. Wow, like you really need two. For $9.99, but the shipping's 50 bucks, right? The Holy Spirit always indwells his people. He indwells the church, he leads the church, and he empowers the church. That's what he does. In your life, the Holy Spirit, he indwells you. Right? He leads you where you should go and then he empowers you so that you're always strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The Holy Spirit within you always will give you the assurance. He will bear witness with your spirit that you're God's child. He'll say, man, don't put up with that sickness and disease. You're God's child. Don't put up with poverty and lack. You're God's child. No, no, no. It seems like things are moving backwards. You use your authority. You speak to that. You believe me because I have no plans for you to go backwards. Right? Anything that's death in your life, no, 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 I don't allow it. I'm not going to allow lack in my life. If I've got symptoms in my body, I'm not moving until they leave. And they know they have to leave. Right? And I'm never moving. I'm not going to get into this game. Well, what's my body doing? Should I do this or should I do that? No, I follow peace and I'm led by the Spirit of God. And he's my healer. Amen. Yeah, but if he's your healer, what if, what if you're having a procedure or an operation? Okay, so they're going to cut you open, take something out, put something in, fix something. I don't know. But you're still going to have to be healed. Right? So, so you believe God. 
that man, when that surgeon's operating, it, he'll have the best surgery he's ever had. He will operate on a level that he's never operated, that there's no bacteria, no infection. And oh, when they sew you up and you're recovering, you're laying there just going, Father, I thank you. Jesus, you're my healer, and you're turning up the recovery process. They say six weeks, I'm going to be great in two. Right? That's the way this works. The Holy Spirit within you gives you the assurance that you're God's child. So this is why, as we talk about this in this series, being led by the Spirit of God is not a skill that you learn. It's not a formula that you learn. It's a sensitivity that you maintain. You'll get to the point he's more real to you than anything outward. I mean, so real. He, you could feel his strength. You could feel his comfort. You know, I asked him one time, it's like, man, ever since I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, every time I get stirred in any way, I start crying, which is not good. You know, your notes, that's how come I bold my notes, because it's like, man. But you know, you can't bold the Bible, and then you get out there and you buy this Bible that has these big margins, but he's so good, you fill up all this stuff, and then now how are you supposed to preach out of that, right? It's just all notes. But, but he told me one day, I'm like, how come I cry? Because i got to tell you, when you see me crying, oh, I'm not sad. I can feel the power of God pumping through me, pumping out of my spirit into my body. And, and what he told me, he said, Tony, I am so full of life that when I, when I impress upon your spirit, it affects you physically. Some people, there's some people here that have come up to me and go, man, pastor, sometimes when you're preaching, I just want to take off running. Well, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit. Some people want to yell. Some people cry. Everybody's different, and it's all good. It all leads to life. If you are consumed and occupied with all your own plans, this will dull you to the sensitivity. If you're up to here with what you think your life should be and how important it is, it will dull you because your eyes will not be on Jesus. So this is how it works. I said it before. The Holy Spirit will literally impress your spirit, enlighten your spirit, bear witness. We call that the inward witness. Your spirit, he's communicating spirit to spirit. God's not surfacy. He walks with you intimately. And then your spirit will translate that impression into a thought. Have you ever thought this? Well, gosh, is this me or is this God? You know why you think that is because the thought, it's you. You take what the Holy Spirit has just impressed upon you inwardly, but you communicate that to your mind. It sounds like you. Right? So that's what happens. He, you're, you're, you will change that into a thought 
and it will renew your mind. And how, but how do you know? Is this me or is this God? Oh, the good news is you come equipped with a discerner. It divides your soul from your spirit. It will tell you if this is God or not. How? A scripture will just be there. Right? There are three passages of scripture that I stand on as a pastor of, of what God's called me to do. I mean, it's just, there were three scriptures that the Lord gave me. And I'm telling you, whatever I face, this is why I'm able to pastor like this. Now, my flesh wants to do this. But oh, when those scriptures are down there, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you'll condemn it. That means that no weapon formed against this church will ever prosper. Joshua 1.5 Tony, no man will be able to stand before you and block you from my plan for your life because as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. You know, there's scriptures specific to you. The Holy Spirit wants to talk to you about things he will never talk to another human being about. It's just you and him. It's so cool. This is why we teach on this. That's the inward witness. It's like a Holy Spirit suggestion. And that is the number one way that the Holy Spirit leads his children. So don't be in love. Don't be in love with your career. Don't be in love with anything but him. Otherwise, it'll dull you. As you fix your eyes on him, guess what? you'll be passionate about everything that he calls you to do. Everything. He'll bring purpose into your life. Hallelujah. That's for somebody. The Spirit of God would say to you, I have a future for you. Take that. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit will never bear witness with your soul, with your mind, your will, and your emotions. And this is a real bummer. He will never bear witness with your feelings. No, actually, it's not a bummer. He bears witness with your spirit so that you can walk on a sure foundation. Your emotions, he uses them. When they're pointed in the right direction, they're a great, they just motivate you to serve God. I get more excited about pastoring this church every minute of every day but they're not my guide. I don't look to my emotions to be my guide. I don't look to how I feel about this, whether it's God or not. No, I look to his word to find that out. You must learn to hear the still, small voice on the inside of you, despite all the noise that's on the outside of you. To do this is gonna require you to be diligent and to be committed to God's word in your relationship with him. Otherwise, you won't do that. Diligence and commitment to put God's word first place in your life, always. Now, there's some people out there that will say that doesn't build the church. 
But I got to tell you, that builds the church. That's what builds the church. If you choose to be ruled by natural reasonings, if you choose to be ruled by your human intellect, then the Holy Spirit won't be able to get much over to you because his ways are a lot higher than our ways. To be spiritually strong, this is a big one. This, the Lord spoke this to me years ago. To be spiritually strong, you'll have to stop, completely stop being concerned about your image. You'll have to just get over yourself. And you, but here's the thing. When you are no longer concerned about your image, you step into a freedom and, and you'll step into a place of influence that's way beyond anything you've ever imagined before. Most believers are not troubled because they don't know what to do. Everybody thinks, well, the reason why believers are so troubled is they don't know what to do. No, most believers are troubled because they're not doing what they know to do. See, that inner turmoil of just knowing I'm out of place, I'm out of whack somewhere, something's not right. Why? It's because I'm living for myself, I'm living out of my flesh, which can only produce death. The Holy Spirit will move you back to where he gets rid of all that inner turmoil. We're going to spend some time talking about being led by the Spirit will cause you to live with a clear conscience. Free you of guilt, shame, and condemnation and all this nonsense that the enemy tries to put on you. A clear conscience. So now that you're in Romans chapter 8, go 10 verses to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. So you guys doing okay? You all look so serious. I believe the Lord's seriously talking to you about some things, huh? Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I got to tell you guys, he will lead you to walk out all the desires that are in your heart. He'll cause you to live a life of your dreams. Because when you get quiet, there is greatness in every one of you. Greatness. There's a great plan, and it's, it's so, it's so eternal. It's so eternal, it's just wonderful. So it says here in verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps. This word helps means he comes alongside and he takes hold together with us against something. He helps our infirmities. Now this, I really want to unpack this verse because this word infirmities is the Greek word asthenia. It's a feminine noun and it's a generic word that embraces every kind of sickness, disease, and weakness. And you're sitting here because it tells us what our weakness is. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. That's our weakness. So Paul, why are you using the Greek word asthenia, which is a generic word that means, it's a complete word, which means every kind of sickness, disease, and weakness. Why? 
I'm really glad you guys are asking that question because we're going to probably take the rest of tonight and maybe not even get there, but we're going to talk about it. It says, For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This word uttered, you, you, would, you would translate this in English, uttered inarticulate speech. It's talking about tongues. But this passage is about our spiritual weakness as a Christian. What is it? I don't always know how to pray. Have you ever been there? You want to pray for your spouse or your kids or whatever. Guess what? Do you really know how to pray? But the Holy Spirit really does. He knows exactly he knows exactly. You don't even really know how to pray for yourself. Because you'll pray about that thing that's really bothering you and in your face. What you don't know is there's about four layers of lies that the enemy does, and, and, and he'll take you right to the root of that thing so it just knocks out everything else. So let's look at this. This passage is about spiritual weakness. So why did he use a word which represented sickness, disease, and weakness? So if you study the New Testament, I'll give you an aerial view in the ministry of Jesus. There were five primary categories. This is almost like healing school now. There were five primary categories of sickness that Jesus healed in the Gospels. If you look at every one of the healings, they would have fallen into one of these five categories. The first one is the Greek word nosos. N-O-S, it doesn't mean you ran out of sauce. It means, yeah, yeah, talk to Mark Mason, he probably has some sauce, but it's N-O-S-O-S, -S. no sauce. It describes a terminal condition for which there is no natural cure. What would an example of that be? Cancer, AIDS, right? So if you look at this word, the history of this root word, it was used by the Greeks as a legend to describe a demon spirit that came out of the heavens and afflicted people with cancerous boils. The name of the demon spirit was Gnosos. That's, that's where that word came from. Matthew, you don't turn there, but in Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, Matthew 4, 24, for those taking notes, and his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers' diseases. Divers' nosos in the Greek. Terminal conditions with no... In other words, they brought to Jesus different people or different conditions that had no cure. And torments, and those who were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy and he healed them. So that's an example of that word. The second word is Malachian. This is talking about a crippling or debilitating disease. This is a disease you could live with, but you just don't, you don't have a quality of life because you can't function right with it. It's not life-threatening, but it is life-altering. So for instance... A nerve issue, if you've ever had nerve pain, 
Might not be life-threatening, but it's definitely life-altering. Right? Muscle pain could be bone pain. Right? A hip or a knee that's bone on bone, it's not life-threatening, but it's definitely life-altering. That's this word. The third one is kakos. K-A-K-O-S. It describes people who were vexed by demon spirits, they were oppressed mentally, and they were confused. Depression, anxiety attacks, that would be that type of thing. And, and the word is very clear. All who want to be free can be free from these. The example of this in the word of God is the demon-possessed man of Gadara. The Bible says he had a legion of demons in him. So this one man had a legion of demons in him. So how many is a legion? Well, it's 6,826 demons. So this is an example of Kekos and was set free like that by Jesus. The next one is a really horrible one. It's called Mastigos. It literally means a plague. It literally is a word for torture. So this Greek word, what they would do in the Greek culture, they would take a prisoner and they would pull him out, they would strip him naked, they would tie him to a post, and they would beat him until he was at the point of death. And by beating, we're talking a whip that had lead balls, bones, glass, so it's ripping flesh, and he would be at the point of death. They would take him. They would put him in like a hospital area of the jail. And they would feed him and, and clean his wounds up until he was just getting better. And then they would come in one day and strip his clothes off again, tie him to the post and do the same thing. And would torture him over and over and over we see an example of that in Mark chapter 5. It uses the Greek word mastigos for the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years. This is a condition. It gets better. All of a sudden you start taking this drug or you find this chiropractor or there's this new thing and you start feeling better and you think you're doing good and then like a storm it just comes in and takes you out again. And then you start getting better and it seems like, wow, I'm getting better. And then all of a sudden it takes you out again. It's like a plague. Example of that. Have you ever known anybody who has dealt with migraine headaches? I mean, where it just all of a sudden, bam, hits them, and they, are, they can't function. Another example would be blood pressure problems, allergies, ongoing. Just, it's, like a, it's like a plague. It keeps coming back, keeps coming back. That's, that's the fourth one. The fifth one is our hostos, A-R-R-H-O-S-T-O-S. People who are so critically ill that they have lost their consciousness. They're in a coma. In Mark chapter 16, verse 18, it says, They that believe in the name of Jesus shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick. 
on the, our hostos, people that are so critically ill that they're comatose, and they shall recover. Wow. Believing in the name causes you to walk in a recovering power that you can help people. These five words, it's like the five fingers of a glove, is asthenia, is this Greek word. It includes all sickness and disease. Isn't it awesome that my infirmities qualify for the Holy Spirit's help? This passage is about spiritual weakness, though. So why are we using this word? The reason why is this. Without the Holy Spirit's help, we are a terminal case. No sos. Without his help, we're a Malachian. We're crippled. Without his help, we're kakos. We're oppressed and we're confused. Without his help, we are mastigos. We are constantly plagued and not able to run our race. Without his help, we are our hostos. We're comatose and unable to hear. Paul used this word because he wanted these Romans to know to walk in victory. The Romans chapter 8 is the victory chapter. He's like, guys, the Holy Spirit is everything. He will make it so that you're none of these. You put him in the equation and it's over. You will get to the end of your course strong. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. The last one I'll go through tonight. I have one minute and we're a full service church. And, and I'm the pastor of more than enough, so I probably will take more than one minute. So in Proverbs chapter 20, in verse 27, turn here. I want to say just a few things about this scripture. Isn't this good tonight? The word is so good. Isn't it better than me just coming here and going, okay, there's seven steps to hearing the voice of God. No, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Learning to flow. Because when you know him, you'll know everything else. Proverbs 20, 27. We've all heard this one. The spirit of man is the candle, or you could, you could translate that lamp. It's translated both ways. The can, is the candle or lamp of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. In other words, what this is saying is God will guide us. He will enlighten us through our spirit. God will enlighten us through our spirit. What does that mean? God will bring revelation of him to your spirit, man. In other words, he doesn't, he doesn't talk to your mind. He talks to your spirit. God only speaks to your spirit. Satan can only speak to your mind. He can't even speak to your spirit. See, so many times if we get in the flesh and we're not being led by the spirit, we're seeking guidance by means other than the way that God said. What do I mean by this? We're led by our physical senses. 
We're led by what we see and how we feel. We're led by our head. We try to reason things out, right? We're led by our circumstances. We let our circumstances guide us. We're led by the advice of others. We're led by money. I love what Keith Moore says. He says, if you're led by money, you are not led by the Spirit of God. So be careful if you're looking for a house. Because what will the world system do? Well, you qualify for this much. Don't buy into that low thing. Because God could, God could give you one idea that brings a hundred grand into your life so that you could live in the neighborhood and in the house he wants you to live in. Just a thought. Here's a big one. You're led by others, or you're led by wanting others to think highly of you. A lot of pastors live in this. Because they just, God, I want to serve you. And in order to serve you, you know, the, I can't let these people really know me because I got to kind of be like this. Because, gosh, if they see that I'm human, Pastor, they see that you're human. Don't worry about it, right? Stay full of the word. God, it already says, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. I love that. He uses the, the base things. He uses the weak things. I mean, it's awesome. Being led by any other means than what God says will get you into trouble every time. So I'll finish with this. We as children of God are to be led, guided, and directed by the Holy Spirit in all the affairs of our life, even the very small affairs of our life. Listen, when you misplace your keys, the first thing you should be doing is saying, Holy, because guess what? He knows where they're at. If you're, if you're in any situation, ask the Lord, what? What would you have me to do? Show me. Man, he could cause you to get done in 30 minutes of being led by him what it would normally take 14 hours for you to do. How am I going to manage my career along with my parenting? Right? And every single parent said, oh my gosh. No, it's true. The Holy Spirit will help you be the mother that you need to be. Right? Be the father that you need to be and still be able to do everything else. He's the greatest time manager in the world. Amen?